Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, hello again, and happy holidays. Another uh, special holiday programming here from uh, the Bill Press Show. We want to take a look at a real phenomenon in American politics today. Uh, of course, um, encouraged uh, by the uh, presence and the rhetoric, if you will, of Donald Trump, is the amazing reemergence of the alt-right, or maybe they were already there and we just didn't know they were there. We hadn't picked up the rocks and found them hiding under those rocks. Um, but they're, uh, they're very, very vocal and very present today. Uh, and Will Summer keeps track of them for The Daily Beast. He's the tech and Internet reporter at The Daily Beast, author of the newsletter, Right Richter? <laughs> it sounds very Nazi-like. Yeah, well, you know, it's supposed to be like a Richter scale. You know, it's maybe, maybe not oh. the clearest name, but, you know, I'm stuck with it at this point. <laughs> All right. Good to have you with us. Thanks, Thanks for having cool. me. So um, what do you, what's your definition of the alt-right? Sure. So, so we're working with you know, the far right, the alt-right. You, if you're looking at the alt-right, you, you may be thinking of like people who are marching in Charlottesville in 2017. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a, a sort of like less extreme, less explicitly racist, anti-Semitic group that you might think of as the, uh, the alt-light is what they're called, mm. or the far right. So, so these are uh, you know, maybe someone, like, uh, someone who might write for Breitbart or something like that. Right. Now, you know... Um, we used to think uh, we used to think of these people as like on the fringe, right? Like, are they or <laughs> well, you know, any we, longer or, or, or are they considered now that they've been that we've opened the door to them as part of the you know, political process? Sure, I mean, I, I would say the president has really brought a lot of these people in, and in a way that previous Republican presidents had not. Uh, you know, in the case of Alex Jones, who's sort of the conspiracy theory king. I mean, the president before he became president. Uh, went on his, on Alex Jones's show and yeah. he's really legitimized a lot of these characters uh in one case he's had one of these conspiracy theorists into the White House uh one of the promoters of the QAnon conspiracy theory so i mean it really and and of course this these these sort of legitimizing moments really feed the president's or feed these these crazy movements because people see it as getting credibility from Trump do these include neo nazis like um David Duke so, I mean, it's certainly we saw after Charlottesville in 2017 that uh, Trump was very reluctant to denounce these groups. Yeah. And they saw that as a signal because, you know, he's saying there's good people on both sides. And only really after you know a lot of arm twisting did he finally denounce them. And so, you know, that that fuels them. And they, and they see that as a sign that the president's saying, like, wink, wink, you know, go ahead and, and, and do what you want. Well, they actually in their newsletter, didn't they say, you know, what the president said was like good for us. Right. Yeah, ex exactly. I mean, they see the president is sort of secretly cheering them on. And uh, and David Duke endorsed him, or they it, said good things about him, and Donald Trump welcomed those. Exactly. I mean, Donald Trump was very reluctant to to denounce him, and and you know, really, we've we've also seen this rhetoric 
uh, sort of mainstreamed into Fox News in the past couple of years. I mean, we see Tucker Carlson saying that white people are being replaced and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it's not just this fringe movement. I mean, it, it, it's sort of a, it's metastasizing within the Republican Party. Does Donald Trump is Donald Trump speaking to them when he calls himself a nationalist? I mean, they certainly see it that way. Uh, you know, that's the Andrew Gillum line. You know, they, 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 you know, whether or not he feels that he's yeah. being racist with it, you know, they certainly see it that way. And you know, when he's been when challenged on this, you know, he says, you know, look, I, I'm just, uh, you know, about my country, and I'm a nationalist. So, uh, you know, I, I, that's certainly being treated like a dog whistle for them. Right. Uh, how many are there? Yes. Yeah, so, so <laughs> I mean, is this a big movement or is it? So there's a lot of factions within the far right, and you know the, there are people who are sort of like a rabidly pro-Trump, not necessarily racist groups. Uh, and then on the other hand, you have you know when we think of like a hardcore alt-right, uh, I, I would say perhaps ten thousand people, uh, you know, who are affiliated hardcore members of you know an organization that might mar- might march in Charlottesville. Don't they therefore get more attention than than they deserve? You know, I I think uh, explicitly white supremacist groups are kind of retreating from the public after Charlottesville and are sort of uh, uh, getting back together and trying to figure out what their next move is. That said, I think there's a lot of other fringe movements that uh, are not what we would recognize as like a neo-Nazi group that uh, that th- that bear a lot of concern, especially in the way that they've uh, these conspiracy theories tend to activate uh, already unhinged people, as we saw with Pizzagate with the shooting at Comet Ping Pong, and that right. kind of stuff is still really thriving on social media. Are they so? You know, the Southern Poverty Law Center for years has kept a a, a list of hate organizations, right? Um, which are dangerous, a lot of them. That's why they they, they track them. Uh, are these organizations? on their list? Should they be? Are they uh, or just kind of wackos with crazy ideas or are they do they really pose some threat of violence? I mean, so certainly in the case of the Southern Poverty Law Center, I know they're they're up on a lot of these groups. Uh, and really, this is something that, you know, we, we've seen. We saw the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting uh, just in October. Uh, you know, it, 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 there's a history of uh, attempted or real, uh, you know, or actualized uh, white supremacist violence that we're seeing, uh, you know, in the case of the QAnon conspiracy theory, which is a sort of a pro-Trump conspiracy theory. Uh, you know, a fellow with an armored truck shut down a bridge by the Hoover Dam with a bunch of guns. Uh, because he was sort of activated by that. So, I mean, this is something that certainly I think bears a lot of watching. So it can, it could very well on the part of these people lead to uh, yeah, I, it, violence. This is something I run into a lot as people say, you know, this is just internet nonsense, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, really, right. this is this is coming. That's what I'm, here's what I'm getting at. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this isn't just some crazy thing on the internet that three people believe in. I mean, this is something that is having real world effects and is, is dangerous to people. And so, you know, you always have to balance in this work uh, you know, how much you're promoting something and how much you're exposing it, you know, versus, you know, are, are, am I just circulating these ideas? But in the case of stuff that, you know, is actually happening in real life, you know, I think people need to know about it. So you've mentioned Charlottesville a couple of times. That was maybe the, 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 the one time that America woke up and said, whoa, these guys are still around. I mean, these skinheads and neo-Nazis, the anti-Semites, right? They're all, and proudly, you know, kind of coming out on, from under the rock, uh, proudly marching with that tag, right? Jews will not replace us. They were chanting uh, as they marched. Um, we saw um, before the holidays that um, the the one case down there where it did lead to violence, James Alex Fields uh, driving his car into a crowd of people uh, killing Heather Heyer, um, found guilty of first-degree murder. 
mm-hmm. which sent a pretty strong message, huh? Absolutely. That- I mean, I mean, that's a very because there was kind of a the defense had offered this this argument that you know he felt he was being chased or they, they had all these alternative views, right. which were also really proliferating on fringe internet sites. And so you know it was a very resounding rebuke then that the jury found him guilty on all of these counts. Uh, and I, I, I remember. One time, I guess again, these fringe groups were saying that she had died of a heart attack, right? Exactly, exactly. It was that, or that, or he he was scared, or these these various claims that, of course, you know, fortunately, did not find any credence. And by the way, he, he did strike other people. Exactly. Right. right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was driving into that crowd. Oh, yeah, I would say like at least a dozen people. I mean, you know, you can see from the video. I mean, this was plowing into a crowd of people. Right. What are the? Um, I want to talk about the right wing media, the media sites, but the organizations. What are some of the organizations that you follow uh, at at Daily Beast? Absolutely. So, um, you know, there, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, there, there's so much money flowing on the right, which, which can create these these very interesting groups. So, for example, uh, Turning Point USA, the uh, which is a uh, it's sort of the campus conservative group run by Charlie Kirk, who's a big figure uh, on Fox News a lot. It's mm-hmm. kind of this uh, this young Republican. I'll um, just say he has a face perfect for slapping, and I'm not a violent person. <laughs> But Turning Point USA. Yeah, you've yeah. seen this little Charlie. twerp. He's a dweeb. Charlie Kirk, this guy uh, who is constantly wrong online. Not, not Charlie Hurt. No, no Charlie, Charlie, Kirk. Char- Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk. Kirk. He's okay. this young guy. He's 12 years old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Uh, and apparently he has some sort of influence. I, I don't see it. Exactly. So, so, so he's got a lot of these these rich Republican donors uh-huh. giving him money. And they're, they're trying to you know turn these campuses towards the right. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I think this is kind of a failed effort. It, this seems like this is something you run into a lot on the right with young Republican figures that old people think young people like, <laughs> and then yes. they give them a lot of money, and then it's just like I mean these things are big flops. Like they had this kind of infamous protest where they were supposed to represent like crybaby liberals, and they all dressed up in diapers. <laughs> the greatest like, self owned. It was a huge embarrassment. So good. So so that's one organization. I mean, you know, there's a lot of kind of these disparate movements. A lot of like anti women movements, anti gay movements. Um, Gamergate is still a thing. You know, it's like these this internet movement of angry gamers who feel that women have too much influence in the video game industry. And many people say that was a precursor, really, to Trump and uh, you know young people who supported Trump. So mm. uh, th- there's a lot of these disparate threads that kind of go in and back and you know, all that. Uh, so in, uh, in doing our research for our conversation, I came across this one group, wait a minute, uh, Proud Boys. Yes. <laughs> and who are they? Sure. So the Proud Boys are almost like a, a rowdy men's club. They describe themselves as Western chauvinists. So these are guys who really have a bizarre series of rules. Uh, they were founded by Gavin McGinnis, who created uh, Vice Magazine and has since become a big right-wing personality. And so, but they have a lot of very strict rules on their lifestyle. Like um, they have rules on their sexual regimens, and uh, you know, it's it's it's. <laughs> it's that very very cleanly. I appreciate that. One. That was very clean. You know, with what I saw, uh, just from your article, right? They have. Restrictions on how often they can masturbate. Yes, they do. Yes, and in fact, now now you can see the, I like the crack who down. among us. The purpose. Well, you know, it, it, it's this almost mystical idea of like you know pr- you're protecting your essence. <laughs> and your, yet, and or yet, your energy, your power. Your you know, energy, I, I would yeah. say that this is a group that's like tied in very closely with the Republican Party. The New York Republican Party had hosted Does an Donald event for Trump them. follow these restrictions. <laughs> no, okay, let's, you know, I let's mean, not go there. They've acted as Roger Stone's bodyguards. You know, I mean, but <laughs> what? It, yeah, I mean, this is a real. I mean, this is a group that 
You, you know, I mean, the, uh, the, the the big thing with them is they're kind of a gateway into these more extreme groups. They aren't an explicitly racist group, but often their members go on to be. And their their whole thing is just like beating beating the tar out of protesters on the left when they get a chance. So, uh, you know, they're they're a, a you know they're in a lot of tumult now. But you know, it's a very extreme group. Mm. Do these people ever get together? Is there an alt right convention or like every year? Well, is so it, in, the, in the case, so of the, we have CPAC. <laughs> sure. But some of these people probably come to CPAC, right? But, I mean, not everybody at CPAC is, is alt-right. Maybe. R- r- I guess that's safe to say. R- r- no, that, that that's right. I mean, yeah, so, you, you know, in the case of the alt-right, obviously they have their kind of like their white supremacist conventions. And then in the case of the Proud Boys, they have their own convention oh. called Westfest in Las Vegas, and they go wild in Las Vegas. And it, it it's a pretty fascinating culture, I think. <laughs> You go to these things? I wish. I wish. Actually, there was just a, a conference that was sort of the the internet rights, basically for people who were kicked out of CPAC. I was calling it CPAC for losers, which might be a little. <laughs> so they had it uh, last weekend, and they refused me a press pass specifically. They were like, we don't want to see you anywhere near it. So I watched the videos, and it was like 12 people in the audience. This was supposed to be their big kind of like big uh, debut as like a force in the Republican Party. Big flop. Right. Yeah. What standing do they have, if any, in the Republican Party? So it's an interesting thing. A lot of these kind of Internet personalities have tried to latch on to like they want to go on Fox and stuff like that. But Fox is not having it. So, you know, Fox has their own talent and they they see these guys as as too crazy and often just really not ready for prime time. I mean, they kind of come off as weird. Um, And so, you know, these guys are trying to make all these inroads and they're getting frustrated, basically, because they they saw Trump's election. You know, remember when it was like all these characters were going to the White House press briefing and stuff. And it was like this new era of these YouTube personalities are going to take over. And really, that that hasn't really happened. So we're seeing a lot of them go further into conspiracy theories or get into mysticism, stuff like that. Yeah. No, I go to the White House briefings, and I mean, yeah, the, the place was full of these kooks in yeah. the beginning. <laughs> but, but now there aren't any briefings, and so um, exactly right, right. You know, they 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 don't have the opportunity. Plus, they had already started some of them to peel off because they saw that it was basically a waste of time for them. Exactly. They, I mean, if you're never getting called on and stuff like that, right? They weren't going to get that much that much attention uh, that much attention. But the, the, this is this is their moment, isn't it? Because They've got a guy in the White House who either directly or indirectly um, either embraces their point of view or certainly uh, is open to it and tolerates it and does not condemn it. That's exactly right. And they see that this this Trump has sort of created this audience of people who feel that they aren't being served by something like Fox and want something that's further to the right, maybe a little crazier. And so, you know, they they see this as an opportunity really to make their names and to, uh, you know, sort of exploit Trump's unwillingness to denounce them. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so these, these uh, people, some of them have their own organs or outlets. Some of them uh, express themselves through other. But there certainly it seems plenty of media outlets who are willing to uh, give these people some space, if not Fox News, a lot of, a lot of it online. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So what are the sites that that you follow <laughs> just to keep track of them. Sure. Well, you know, some some of the big ones, obviously, Infowars, Alex Jones, you know, that that's a big one. Um, uh, the Gateway Peter, Pundit. Peter, uh, do we have, 
Is Alex on the line here now? Yes. Well, you you know you see the documents. I've seen the documents, Bill. Uh, this is uh, first of all very outrageous. You would have someone like Will on the show here to talk about the truth, uh, because you know the real story here is, and I'll show it to you. You've seen them. I've seen them. I've seen all the documents. Uh, we're going to get the truth out there, whether or not right. Will tells it or not. We're going to get it out there. All right. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, thanks for checking. Me wow, out. that's quite a get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so he's uh, even though he's not allowed on. Facebook or Twitter, right? He's well, and this is something interesting we're seeing is these various personalities getting kicked off of Twitter and YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, YouTube kicked off Gavin McGinnis, the founder of the Proud Boys, yesterday, mm. and so you know a lot of these people. Once you're off Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, I mean that's pretty much it for you. In Alex Jones's case, he has his old, his out outlet, maybe 30, 40 employees. I mean he can exist on his own, but a lot of these people. Are seeing their careers just like become non-existent. I mean, we saw Laura Loomer, who's one of these right-wing personalities, chain herself to the yes. door of Twitter uh, because they banned her, and so then the police had to come and cut her off. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> and now we've never heard from her again. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's amazing. Right. Okay, Alex Jones. So Alex Jones. So Info Alex Wars. Jones, uh, the Gateway Pundit, uh, which is a you know something that people uh, who aren't following this are is basically non-existent outside of it. It's run uh, out, out of St. Louis, and it's a blog that is pretty popular on the right. Uh, it traffics in a lot of hoaxes. Um, they claimed that they fell for this. There was this joke tweet claiming that uh, Antifa super soldiers were going to behead white parents on this particular day. And they said, oh, my God, you know, this is oh, going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so they fall for a lot of this stuff. The Daily Caller is a big one. Mm. You, you would consider the Daily Caller alt-right? Oh, well, I don't know if I'd call them alt-right, although they do have plenty of links to the alt-right. They've had to fire a lot of writers who turned out to be white supremacists. Um, but, but, you know, in, in, in terms of catering to this kind of, like, far-right uh, demographic, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, Eric Erickson? Yeah, sure. So so Eric Erickson is kind of this guy who plays this game, right, where he's saying, uh, you know, I, I'm the guy who wants civility, and then, you know, he'll make these really outlandish statements, you know, on the, on the other hand. Right, red state still, huh? Oh well, so he's he's out at red state. There oh. was there was this, uh, you know, he left red state, and then there was this kind of like uh, there was this purge at red state, so all his guys got kicked out. So I think he's now at something called the Maven. This is a guy that I think gr grosses me out more than just about anybody else because he tries to be uh, this beacon of virtue, right? And he always talks about his. Uh, his faith and his religion and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then he turns around and says some of the nastiest things online. I mean, the things that he was saying during the Kavanaugh confirmation stuff was, I mean, th they were awful, awful things. Oh, well, I, I remember um, at the time he was um, one time in, in the Obama administration, he was a contributor for CNN. And I asked a question of Robert Gibbs at the briefing about, Eric Erickson saying if a census worker walked up on mm -hmm. his porch, he would get his wife's, not his, his wife's shotgun, right? And I asked Gibson about that comment, and I got roasted by the executives at CNN who said I was attacking CNN by identifying him as a CNN contributor, <laughs> as if it was my fault, right? Mm -hmm. And I just shot back and I said, you hired the a-hole, right? Not me, <laughs> right? And, he, and is he a CNN contributor? Yes. Well, then what did I say wrong, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't. They were ashamed of the fact that they had hired him at the time. They ended up dropping him, but mm -hmm. uh, the idea they would hire him. No, you didn't mention Breitbart. Yeah, so Breitbart is in an interesting position. Uh, after, obviously, when Steve Bannon was in the White House, was sort of co-chief of staff, essentially, uh, you know, they were really ascendant and everyone thought they were basically going to be the next Fox News. 
But ever since Steve Bannon got you know kicked out of the White House and then later got fired from Breitbart, uh, you know, I mean, Breitbart has you know become very boring. Uh, they've really seen a lot of their relevance shrink away. I saw a report from their uh, Christmas party. Uh, which was apparently oh. a real flop. It was like maybe five people, a lot of stale crackers, that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> I wasn't invited. I must have missed my invite. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the group. So everybody was trying to make a big deal about Antifa. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that the equivalent on the left of these guys on the right? You know, I I would say on you know on one hand there is there's the similarity in that Antifa is, you know, an extreme group on the left and they're willing to use violence uh, you know, against their political opponents. On the other hand, I think really like, you know, in terms of like the danger they pose, I, I think it's really like nothing like I mean, you know, it's like the Nazis versus the people who want to fight the Nazis. You know, I mean mm. I, I really don't think there's any comparison in that way. I think sometimes they can get a little um you know, I mean I, I, I there's a reason like you shouldn't just be punching random people and that is that they you know I, I was up in Philadelphia for this Proud Boys rally and then some Antifa people thought they saw someone who was maybe a Proud Boy and started pummeling him as it turned out he was not a he was just a guy oh. on the street I mean you know the, and that of course is the danger you run into with any sort of vigilante justice I and mean, you don't want that right right are there many Antifa nationally I think there's a good amount yeah like I mean a couple 10, thousand, a couple yeah, thousand, yeah, maybe ten thousand. I mean, you know, when, when you turn out to these things, there, there's always a good, uh, you know, and, and of course, there's, you know, they're they're in the same spaces as you know, just <laughs> liberal protesters who are not looking to brawl with people. But you know, if you go to these counter protests, you you can always tell who the Antifa black block types are because you know they're don't the guys, they, yeah, what? they're the guys who roll in with all the masks and maybe like some flagpoles that they're going to use to whack people, stuff like that. Right now, to what extent are all of these groups? Descendants of Pat Buchanan. You know, it's an interesting question. I mean, certainly, I, I would say the alt, the ones on the alt right uh, are. You know, I mean, they love. I'll, I'll tell you, the Proud Boys love Pat Buchanan's book. Uh, I think Decline of the West or something like that. I mean, th that is like they always talk about that. They they read that at their at their club meetings and stuff like that. So I mean, th there there's a very direct uh, descent. I would say. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm sure that makes Pat Buchanan very proud. <laughs> <laughs> He's not ashamed of that at all. Yeah. yeah, all right. yeah. Well, well, what a what a what a beat you've got! Right? <laughs> yeah, it's an exciting one. <laughs> yeah, exciting and dangerous. Yes. Yeah, so be careful. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I don't know whether you want to go to these uh, <laughs> these meetings of these of these groups, but uh, somebody's got to track them, and I'm glad that uh, you're doing so thank yourself you. and coming in. Uh, you can follow Will at the Daily Beast, thedailybeast.com. That's as close as you want to get to the alt right. <laughs> don't go there directly. Follow them through the Daily Beast and the work of Will Summer. Uh, happy holidays. Thank you for joining us. And we'll be back with more special programming a little bit later. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Yes, it is The Bill Press Show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate it. Uh, we are not here live. We just want to say that right off the bat. This is on tape. We've put a lot of great content on tape for you this week while we are away for the holidays. Uh, and we've got it up on our podcast uh, channel. We've got it up on YouTube as well. Because even though we're away, we're not going to leave you without any brand new content. And that's what we're doing here today. Uh, very, very, this is one of the fun times. We talked about some heavy stuff. We've talked about like the year and politics and the White House and Congress, but it's the new year. 
Maybe you're thinking about where do I want to travel for 2019? Well, we are going to talk about that now with George W. Stone. He is the editor-in-chief for Nat Geo Travel. George, thank you for coming in the studio. My pleasure. Now, I just want you to know, even though it's the <laughs> week of Christmas and Christmas is over at the point that you're hearing this, George is still repping some major holiday cheer with that sweater. I'm rocking my holiday sweater. I got one sweater. I'm going to wear it probably for the next five days, and I'm feeling good about it. Yeah. uh, Look, there are a lot of people who will hate on the, pardon the term, ugly sweater. Yeah. But but they don't know that it's actually beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. I'm I'm all for the the uh, ugly holiday sweater. People can hate ugly sweaters, but they should appreciate the beauty of this one. Amen, man. I'm on board with it. (laughs) All right. So uh, Nat Geo Travel, you just put out uh, the best trips for 2019. You got it down to what? Like 28 different? 28 places around the world. Okay. Yeah. That are Number one, Dayton, Ohio. (laughs) Hey, I'm a Buckeye. Are you really? Yeah. I wouldn't put down a a Buckeye. I used to live in Dayton, Ohio, and I always say the longest three years of my life for the five months that I lived in Dayton, Ohio. So uh, I don't think Dayton, Ohio is at the top of the list. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, before we get to the actual list, uh, what's the criteria you looked at to figure out these travel destinations? So we start building this list at National Geographic probably six, nine months ago. We canvas um, our photographers, uh, we talk to our writers, we talk to our readers, and we build up this great list, uh, probably 300 different places that are relevant for the year ahead, that um, are sort of Speaking to our National Geographic values of exploration, conservation, storytelling, cultural engagement, and then we narrow it down to about 28 in four different categories. It's very hard to narrow it down. And then um, we send out reporters, and uh, and we get the juice on these places, and then we bring back a great story, and then we throw it online at natgeotravel.com, where right. there's this cool, scrolling, immersive experience, and then we put it in our magazine, National Geographic Traveler. So you have it broken down by, you know, there like to visit cool cities, or if you want some like nature experiences, yeah. or cultural experiences, and then adventurous. Yes. So like it's got a little something for everybody. Something for everyone, and and some of the time, like in our city section, we have uh, we focus on uh, Mexico City. Um, we have this beautiful narrative, and it's all about the heritage of corn, um, traditional corn, and traditional folkways that have gone into the new cuisine of Mexico City. So um, that story takes you in the city, out of the city, and then back in the city to, uh, you know, to go to some of the best restaurants that are actually that are preparing food traditionally, but, um, but with a kind of contemporary flair. Uh, w- one of the things about Mexico City as well is you can get there fairly easily and fairly cheap. Yeah. Like yeah. they want us there. They want us to it's come see. Happy. They're begging us. Look, I'm 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 the editor of the holiday section here, so uh, um, we want happy places yes. where where locals, um, you know, feel pretty good, where um, where where travelers are welcomed, and uh, um, and where this whole tourism economy can have a benefit. Yeah, um, so yeah, Mexico yeah. City is one of those. Um, it's a wonderful, safe place, a fascinating place to go. So. Yeah, and and there are other places that are not so far off. I mean, um, Kansas City um, is is on our list. Kansas City has made major investment in its cultural infrastructure. I'm talking about museums um, or gallery neighborhoods, and um, and that's a place that's accessible. People can go to, and it's also delicious. Great I was going to say there's yeah. a lot of great barbecue in yeah. Kansas City. Yeah, and then other places are are like you know quite far away. Um, 
uh, Greenland um, is a little bit far away. That's on the list in our adventure category. And uh, um, the, the Greenland is celebrating 10 years of independence in the, um, as an independent state in What's 2019. What's Greenland? Just, just Greenland, give me a little taste. Massive, taste. massive ice shelf that covers like 90% of the land Go see Greenland. it before it's gone, everybody. <laughs> I, know. I know. Maybe the last year to go yeah. check it out. No, 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 no. no. It's a slow melt. Okay, <laughs> <It's>, okay good. <laughs> Your kids might not be able to yeah. see it, but you should definitely <laughs> oh, go see no. it. Oh, no. That's like a dark turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can go quite, uh, quite a bit farther. Uh, go to Tahiti. That's a, um, We have this amazing um, story on French Polynesia. Um, it's written by Andrew Evans. Um, and what he does there is he searches for the elusive fifth element um, that ties together Polynesian culture. It's called mana. Oh, cool. It's like the force in the Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, but it's yes. more beautiful and more yeah. amazing than that. And uh, um, That's so cool. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you this. I, I don't want to get too political with this, right? But, like, America does sort of have a stigma on it these yeah. days, mm. right? I've so heard this. You, I'm sure you've yeah, seen yeah. this. Yeah. Um, so traveling to other countries is is sort of interesting these days, mm. right? Because people see Americans. Uh, how are we um, How are we met at other, by other countries? Well, it's a, it's a bit divided. Um, I, I think that people are probably cautious about Americans uh, um, to some degree. Um, except that's probably he, smart, by the way. Yeah, that's smart. They, no, but then you should see the bad behavior of other global tourists. Sure, oh, sure, absolutely. There is some horrible behavior out there, yes. and so I'm I'm almost embarrassed to say that um, that um, Americans' sort of prim mannered behavior when we're abroad is rising or is is, is elevating our profile <laughs> in spite of all the crazy things that are happening in this country. Sure, and and not only that though. Um, you know, there aren't actually um, a lot of Americans who go very far. And this right. is not a good thing. So about 40% of Americans have passports of that. The vast majority That's are going. That's it, huh? Yeah. No kidding. Canada, Mexico, Caribbean, wonderful, but it's not quite so far away. And so, um, and not, not only that, but Americans aren't necessarily even using the vacation time that they have from their right. employers. So, um, so occasionally you'll see articles about vacation time that gets left on the table. So... Um, and we don't have much to begin with. So, right, right, um, right. I, so I hope we're not entering a space where it's rare to see an American. But I'm pretty sure that when we go places, we're welcomed because we're actually well behaved. Yeah. Unlike unlike some notable uh, this um, is the, high profile Americans. This is something that I yes, <laughs> this is something that I've talked about for a while because I used to work at um, I used to work at Walt Disney World. Oh, and. Wow. We, this was a long time. This is where I, Peter's I, sunny disposition comes yeah. from. Well, but and, and, you tell? And, and clearly your ears are tucked under your hat too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah, yeah. I've got my mouse ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But we used to see people from all over the world. And look, I, I think there is a stigma to the ugly American that travels abroad and, and all that. But like people when they travel abroad act like maniacs. Yeah. And it's across all different cultural spec the cultural spectrum. Absolutely. And and um and then behind that is like Knowing how to travel isn't something you're born with. Sure. I mean, it's something that um, you know that accrues as you do visit places. You build places. You build up a sensibility. You build up a comfort level. There, are, some people don't like to go places, and um, they feel like they don't have control, and that's probably what's behind bad behavior. Sure. On the other hand, um, with rising middle classes in um, a lot of other countries in the world, China is one, India is one. You see a lot of interesting behavior that um, that comes from. 
social norms that aren't our own, and also the fact that um, it is a practice and a skill to travel to other countries and engage. Um, I'm looking at the list. I see uh, two different destinations that are here in America. Yes. And, and, I, and I, we want to get out of America for sure, yeah. uh, literally and figuratively. <laughs> every but, day in every way. <laughs> but, so, <laughs> but but you mentioned Kansas City. The other one on here goes under the, um, uh, the adventure category. Uh, in New Mexico. Yes, Bisti, um, often called Badlands, but the Bisti, uh, Bisti oh, Wilderness. Okay. I always say it wrong. Bisti Wilderness and Denazin, um is this lunar-esque landscape area with these kind of like sandstone um, mounds that seem to have umbrellas on the top. And, and our whole point is, um, I mean, that America has this wealth of national parks. It's probably our greatest asset. And, yes. Um, Amen. Thank yes. you. I mean, Thank you. And, and that's my number one Christmas gift for anybody is give someone a parks pass, a national parks pass. It, it, they will be so happy. You only use it once and it gets you get full value out of it. At any rate, we've got hundreds of parks. And um, so it is part of our mission to encourage people to explore new parks, to distribute that visitation. And when you're in New Mexico, this is a crazy, wondrous place. You, you're, just, you're speaking right to my heart, man. <laughs> like, I, I, like I, I honestly believe that, that is, is the national parks are one of the greatest things we have it, done as a country. Absolutely. Example for the world, um, treasures for ourselves. I mean, if we could just keep ourselves from, like, chipping away at the boundaries – also that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there is that. Uh, George W. Stone from Nat Geo joins us uh, in studio. So I want to go through the whole list here, and I might stop, pause along the way to ask some questions, because like I said, you broke it down into cities, uh, Dakar, Senegal, mm. Salvador, Brazil, Kansas City, Missouri, Toronto, Canada. That's not that far. No. Yeah, a lot not of people far. can drive there. Yeah. You can, some people get Uber there. Some people get Uber there. Yes, exactly. Does Uber cross the border? That's a good question. Oh, that's a good question. I wonder. I wonder if some drivers near the border carry their passports and they're like. I bet they do. I know we have a lot of listeners in Chicago. Yeah. You're not that I mean, far from yeah. the Just give it a shot. Okay. Yeah. And, give it a and, shot. And, and, and yeah. And tweet us back. <laughs> tweet and us. Let us know what happened. Yeah. Let us know what happened, <laughs> Chicago. Uh, Matera, Italy. Perth, Australia. All right. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm horrified of Australia. Whoa. Me too. All of it? Every bit? Just every bit of it. Oh, yeah. Well, I just don't want to go over there and get like eaten by a gigantic <laughs> spider. Well, I mean, the animals that they have over there yeah. are like a horror show. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or eaten I by mean, a shark. Yeah. I mean, and, or just punched by a kangaroo. Right. I mean, I mean, but that would be, that's related to something you said funny, to the kangaroo. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're very sensitive. People they are. don't know you that. Be careful what you yeah. say to them. <laughs> yeah, but I mean. It is massive. I mean, yeah. Australia and um, and Perth is is a city and uh, along the west um, and um, that sort of gives way to it's a, a port city um, that again, like some other places on our list, has invested heavily in its cultural and arts infrastructure. It's it sort of a, a smallish city, relatively mm-hmm. hundred thousand people. But it is a surprising place. Um, and uh, speaking of Christmas, it would be a point of departure if you wanted to spend Christmas on Christmas Island. Oh, wow. Which is a real island. Well, and we'll... it was a penal island, um, at least half of it. Is there don't anything... go very far with that word. I mean, <laughs> I mean prisons. Hey, why so, go to island? Yeah, yeah. Is there a anything particularly Christmassy about it, or how did it get this name? Do you know? Um, I think that it was discovered um, on um, and, and 
on Christmas um, and named. And I wish I could remember, but I'm certain it is a famous explorer who discovered Christmas Island um, on Christmas Day. Probably mm. like Easter Island I um, hope, or Rapa Nui. I, I would hope that they like really lean into the name. You yeah. Know? Oh, on they, December 25th, they like just yeah. Oh, year they round, go bonkers. Like yeah. yeah, that is yeah. a prison party there. <laughs> that is just like that's a penal a, party. A penal party, a jailbreak. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. So okay. I have a question too before we dive too deep into yeah. the list. Um, yeah, yeah. Peter has two kids. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have a kid. Okay. I'm wondering, um, do you factor in family travel when you're picking these destinations, or what's the um, traveler that these lists are geared towards? Yes. Uh, uh, See, me, I leave the kids at home anyway. That's true. Peter. I, mean, like, like, no, I already said I'm editor of the holiday section. Holiday, like, you can leave the kids at home and have yeah, this yeah. holiday. That's yeah. why my friend. No, but. They practically take yeah. care of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, we do. Um, so, National Geographic uh, Traveler Magazine, our audience is actually relatively young, and um, and so very much in the parenting uh, stage, and so we we factor that in quite a bit, and to some degree that that's why we are pointing out national parks um, in North America, or cities that you can go to and have sort of artful strolls. Um, Oakland, California is also on the list. Yeah. Um, and Oakland is a really cool city that um, gets overshadowed by San Francisco. It's just across the bay. But um, there again, this is a city of, um, you know, food trucks, um, little parks, um, galleries, um, you know, lots and lots of artists. And, um, and it's just sort of a... Uh, and not only that, but one thing um, from Oakland, you can take... Uh, um, a ferry over to Angel Island with your kids, yeah. and you can spend an entire day on this amazing little island um, that basically has no cars on it, and um, and hike um, to a weather station on the top and see all these crazy animals. And it is a perfect picnic kind of excursion just outside of San Francisco. And so that's one of my favorite things to do is to go to a city, but then kind of leave the city a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, and you could do it some of the time, like New York. You could really get lost in Central Park, um, but um, but from Oakland, you t- taking a ferry is is fun, especially for kids, and then getting over and having this sort of castaway experience, just hiking on a trail on Angel Island is is like bliss. I yeah. love that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, one of the things I always try and figure out when I'm figuring out vacation stuff with the family, mm-hmm. right, is um, I-, I can only take so much of the city. Right, yeah. like just hanging around the city. Like, as you mentioned, yeah. I like to get out of it. I, there, there are too many ugly sweaters. Totally, there's yeah. so I mean, many ugly sweaters. Hipsters, <laughs> they're old hipsters too. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even count as hip anymore. Yeah, right. No, it's the, so, it's yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Never was really. Uh, but I also love, like, I always try to go to the national parks. I always like getting out in nature a little bit. You have a whole category here about nature: uh, the Peruvian Amazon, mm. uh, Montenegro, yeah. Belize. Uh, Gorongosa National Park in Mozambique. Yeah, and that's a success story. So, um, you know, people think of National Geographic um, both as a magazine but also as an organization that funds research and conservation efforts. Gorongosa um, has just bounded back in um, in its wildlife population, Gorongosa National Park in Mozambique, um, f- uh, recovering from uh, the devastation of the Civil War um, that really um, really wreaked havoc on the wildlife. Um, and uh, at that point, there was a lot of poaching um, uh, for survival. So um, so this is a new area, a new safari area um, to discover that's, you know, that should be on people's radar in the next year. Um, and it's just a different way to, uh, you know, to see a different part of Africa. Um, I also I, I missed one of the American cities that you listed, South Walton County, Florida. 
Yes. I don't know about South Walton no. County, Florida. So many people don't. But um, I assume this but, is an Everglades situation? Yeah, this is, this is, no, it's in the nature category. No, right. It's not an Everglades situation. Okay. It's a panhandle situation. Oh, it my is. God. That okay, is, whoa. All that right. is one hot panhandle. And, <laughs> um, and so, it's, um, so this place is like cool and surprising. And again, our mission is to have a list that is surprising and um, isn't your classic bucket list where you're going to go to the Galapagos every single year. No. We are we are surfacing cool places that people should know about. So South Walton County um, is basically a um, uh, has a network of 16 different communities that have put coastal conservation on the front burner. And they've done lots of coastal um, erosion protection programming there. And they've established the first underwater art museum in the U.S. I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah. How do you view it? How does that happen? You got to have a snorkel. (laughs) You got to have, you got to, you should scuba dive around it. So um, it's, you can take, you can take selfies underwater with your scuba gear next to a piece of art. Um, Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a gimmick. I'll give you that. Sure. But, um, but, but here again, one of the challenge, like everyone, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people want to go to Florida to warm up in the winter. Almost everyone tends to go to the exact same place. Sure. And um, Florida is quite a large state, has huge coastline. And so um, so enterprising communities um, are saying, what are we going to do to attract people? And at the same time, what are we going to do to preserve and protect um, that coastal heritage? So that's the sort of story that elevates a destination to the list. By the way, I'm just, I just I had to look. The Underwater Museum of Art in South Walton, uh, Florida – one of the pieces that they have underwater is just this gigantic skull. I would, I don't need to, I, that would scare the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, I'm, it, it being underwater already, it's like suffocating. It's like, no, I don't need but that. But it's, it's, okay. But it, also, it's yeah, but it's but not America's scuba first. I just want scuba dive. Aquatic nightmare park. Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah. Sold. Yeah. Go, go check it out. Um, also, uh, culture. Culture. Let's go to the culture category. Uh, you mentioned uh, Cairo, Egypt. Yes. Uh, Vietnam. Indeed. Uh, Galway, Ireland. The Bauhaus Trail. Love that band. Bauhaus Trail yeah. in Germany. Peter Murphy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Oakley, California. Uh, Switzerland and uh, parts of uh, part of France. So, what is the what goes into the uh, culture category? What do so, they all offer? Yeah, the Bauhaus is a good example of what they offer. Um, in 2019, next year, um, there's going to be the 100 year celebration of the Bauhaus um, design movement. And um, you know, this is a school of thinking that sort of elevates the idea. Or maybe even the opposite of Elevate. It says design is a part of everyday life. Um, and smart design helps us um, navigate, uh, whether it's architecture, whether it's housewares. So this was, a 100 years ago, like a huge revolutionary idea. Design wasn't just an elitist concept. It was design was for everyone. And so um, in this region in Germany, there's going to be a celebration all year long about uh, Walter Gropius, who's one of the founders of the school, and the um, the establishment of this design aesthetic. So it sounds a little dry, but it's but if you look around, if you see anything that seems to be smartly designed, like a smartphone, yeah. you might say, yeah. "Huh, how did we get from like big clunky ugly things?" And mm-hmm. it didn't just happen when Steve Jobs did it. 
It, it like it, it like it, it. We have an evolution of design. So we're looking at those sort of interesting, nuanced um, moments. That's that's really fascinating, actually. Like, I mean, we think about you know you, we talk a lot about German design and German engineering. What yeah. does that mean? Well, this is Farfignugan. Yeah, 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 yeah right, it's, right, like right. it was so much <laughs> earlier than Farfignugan. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So. Uh, and the final category you have here, uh, adventure, uh, Greenland. Uh, we talked about that. We talked about New Mexico as well. Isla de los Estados in Argentina. What's happening yes. there? Okay, that is basically the tip um, of, of South America. And um, and this is a glaciated, remote region. This is for, like, the true loners, uh, the people who subscribe to National Geographic magazine and then run into a room, close the door on Christmas Day, and just, <laughs> and, and dream of being far away. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're talking about here. But, um, it, but we're really talking about... Um, about you know remote preserved wilderness um, where you can go and collect your thoughts um, in this spectacular sort of broad wild space. But in this section, it's not only about getting away. Um, we have a uh, a really cool story by uh, Nat Geo writer Peter Gwynn on um, chasing on, on riding Arabian horses in Oman and um, and chasing down the heritage and the legend and the lore of Arabian horses. How cool is Super that? Super cool. And he gets kicked off a horse. I don't want to give away all the drama, <laughs> but he gets fucked <laughs> off the horse on the beach and it, and like and all these like crazy things happen and it's like got so much momentum. This amazing like adventure story. So. Um, and and that you know at National Geographic, this is what we're trying to do is um, we're trying to inspire curiosity. We're trying to um, to sort of present stories that have some element of adventure and wild and you know just sort of um, and discovery. And um, and we think people come to National Geographic because they want to learn things. So that's uh, our 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 list is packed with. Things to learn. I think it's such a cool list. I just, just to round out the other ones that are the adventure adventure category, uh, the Canterbury region from New Zealand, uh, the Cano Cristales River in Colombia, Macedonia, and uh, you just mentioned Oman. What's in yeah. Macedonia? Ma- Macedonia just, is enlighten me. I'm, well, I'm, okay. So, so first of all, um, this is the. The country that has had a bit of a naming challenge recently, <laughs> and um, it's contested. And so, in the first sentence, we have to talk about North uh, Macedonia or Macedonia. But at any rate, um, it's in here because um, because there there's a tremendous wilderness open space for like hang gliding, rock climbing, oh. hiking, and um, it's a little bit off the radar. Um, and but within the Balkans, this is um, this is like I think a, very much a rising destination for adventure travel. This is a very 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 cool list. Uh, let me ask you one final question um, in terms of how. Uh, some of these countries are easier to travel to than others, yeah. right? Like you, China's on the list. Just recently, China sort of made it very clear, like, we want a, a lot more tourists. They're, they're becoming yeah. one of the hottest tourist destinations in the world. Um, are some of these, do they embrace the whole tourism thing more than others? Or do you, how much work do you have to do to actually, like, to get, get there? there? The the destinations on our list are accessible. Yeah. You can get there, um, and uh, and you know this it's not a crazy list, but um, but it does push a few boundaries, and we're trying to surface destinations that are going to become more of the travel and tourism conversation into the future. Um, 
the but it's well known among all destinations that uh, travel and tourism is massive um, as an economic driver. Um, yeah. Massive um, for employment, massive for revenues. So um, so every country that possibly can um, is trying to build up a tourism infrastructure. And um, and any country that has um, some level of crisis immediately. Um, you know, considers that uh, the impact of that crisis on tourism. tourism. Um, and it doesn't have to be a country um, uh, far away. It doesn't have to be a country like Puerto Rico, not a country part of the U.S., um, uh, you know, suffers from hurricanes. And uh, most recently, had, you know, had a devastating hurricane um, about a year, I guess, more than a year ago. And so they are um, leveraging tourism um, by building up the infrastructure to bring people back. But that is not just about building a hotel here or there. It's about having a collective um, organized plan with a, you know, a statement about what you're going to get when you go visit, yeah. about creating yeah. airline routes to that uh, to destination. So it's, uh, tourism is huge um, globally, and, um, and we're going to see more and more destinations opening up. Um, but the basic security question is still a really good one. It's like... Uh, um, you know, are you going to be comfortable and are you going to be happy there? Yeah. Um, we factor that into our list. These are happy, comfortable places. Nice. Nice. Excellent. Uh, George W. Stone is the editor-in-chief for National Geographic Travel. Like, look, look at the picture on the cover of that. Doesn't that look nice? So cold and, and yeah. gray <laughs> yeah. right now. Like, this just looks so nice. We zoomed in on that and then we zoomed out and then we zoomed in and we had to figure out how much we could zoom and still be a family magazine. <laughs> so, fair, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, just looks so wonderful to get out of the cold and into somewhere tropical like that. But whether or not it's tropical or uh, any other place you want to go check out, uh, they've got you covered. 28 cool destinations to go check out in 2019. The best trips from Nat Geo Traveler. George, thank you so much for coming in, man. My pleasure. I really Happy appreciate trails. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate you uh, staying with us and watching during this holiday break. We'll be back live at the first of the year. Uh, but uh, stay tuned. We've got more content coming. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.